0: cast. I am Jared, and I'm here with Scourge of Ironforge and Games Industry Public Defender Nick Zelenkavage.
1: Hey, how's everybody doing?
0: Yeah, I almost forgot that this should be like the bi-weekly cast now since like the last few <laughs> have been like, you know, every other week because of, you know, just different shit happening. We don't doing it on purpose, folks. <laughs> I still recorded
1: a mashcast last week. It was just me in my room talking to myself, but it happened. My cat liked it. He said it was it was one of the best ones I ever did.
0: Oh yeah, you talked to your cat?
1: So, well, yeah, I didn't talk to him. He was just listening, but
0: you know. Okay, I, your cat talked to you?
1: No, no. It was it was it was a one. It was a monologue, but he he was he was listening and he he applauded at the appropriate points.
0: Your are uh. Your cat can applaud. Yes, he can. <laughs> Special cat. Yes. Uh, yeah, This is MASHCAST number 136. And uh should be 137, but hey, th- them's the breaks. Uh, so let's uh, let's get right into it. Let's talk some news bites. But you would think we'd have more, but apparently not much has been happening lately. Uh, so let's see. Let's start. And uh, and Nick Sampson say about this? Uh, it's been reported that WildStar is calling off their Christmas and Halloween content. Nick? <laughs> yes. Oh no! Yeah. I,
1: I, no. Um. Yeah. Carbine. Uh, I guess they're working on an upcoming patch, uh, called Drop Three, uh, for uh for the game. And they basically, I guess, at this late hour, I mean, with Halloween being what, a, a barely uh, three weeks away, um. They basically said that we don't have time to do all the holiday content and get the patch out, and then put the appropriate amount of work into the patch. Which, on the one hand, I guess that's laudable because, you know, if you you know the the patch is what's more important. I mean, the hol- holiday stuff, like you know, every year you can put that in there and update it, and I mean, it's it's nice to see that in game. But like the patch, like that stuff that theoretically will exist forever. You know, and, and you know, you don't want to have to be putting out patches to fix stuff that you know wasn't appropriately done in other patches. Like that looks worse. Like it's better for them just ignore the holiday. They can get into it next year. I mean, even then, that's one of those things that is always questionable with respect to immersion, anyway. Because why are there American holidays or even like earthly holidays in these fantasy and you know, uh, you know, fantasy and sci-fi worlds? Um, like I don't know. I'll admit, I didn't follow the lore on Wildstar enough to know, like, what's their relationship to Earth? Like, does it make sense that Halloween and Christmas would follow over? Um, I mean, it's funny, like, in Warcraft, for example, they have uh, All Hallows' Eve, and then they have, uh, uh, what is it, uh, the, uh, the, the Great Father Winter. And, uh, like, they have their own versions of the holidays, and all the MMOs do it. And it's nice, you go around, you see the pumpkins, you know, you see the... the, the, the Christmas trees and the festive lights and stuff. I mean, it's, it's nice to see that, but it's not a requirement by any means. So the, the only thing I thought was funny was in the article, uh, they mentioned, uh, that, uh, I mentioned that, uh, we, Wildstar certainly does have a perception PR issue with people because they're just reading negativity everywhere. Uh, it's Martin Dean from, uh, the Wildstar rating guild Enigma. Uh, and the thing is, like, I don't think Wildstar is a PR problem because people are reading negativity. I don't think they're reading anything at all. I don't think we've talked about Wildstar since it came out. I haven't seen anything about Wildstar anywhere. I'm not really looking for it, but I feel like this has been, uh, I don't know, it's its good. I guess fundamentally this is good for the game. It's a little bit disappointing if you were looking forward to that. But uh, it will we'll, we'll see. Uh, presumably the game will be around next year. We'll see if they put it in then.
0: Okay. Uh, next news, bite is that uh Drive Club for PlayStation Plus which remember, uh, PlayStation Plus members get a free version of Drive Club not f- Drive Club itself but a free version of it uh well you're going to have to wait on that if you didn't grab it already uh the originally it came out the same day that Drive Club did but they were having server troubles which I don't understand I don't get it like how like there's so many examples of you know, a game coming out, and th- then the and then the the developer not being able to handle the load on the servers. I- I'm curious as to why this is still a problem, but that's besides the point. Either way, <laughs> the servers can't handle the load, so now they have cut off the downloads for the PS uh, PlayStation Plus version of Drive Club, and uh, you know, so they can so they can clear up the performance on the servers, and then they're gonna re-enable it. So basically, if you didn't buy Drive Club. You're not playing it. If you were waiting on that PlayStation Plus version, well, well, you're taking the back seat. Oh, you like that reference? Oh, I didn't even think about that before I said it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, PlayStation Plus version. I mean, like, I I was actually going to cons- get the PlayStation Plus version. I didn't see enough of Drive Club that made me want to actually get it. Um, Not to mention, I can only handle. You know one socially hand heavy console game at a time, and I'm already in Destiny, <laughs> so it'd be You're different if it was on PC. Actually, Drive Club is on PC, isn't it? I didn't even think about it. I think Drive Club is on PC. I don't
1: think you can get the PS Plus version though, on PC.
0: No, you cannot. You're very astute, Nick. <laughs> very <laughs> astute. <laughs> uh, okay, next news bite is uh, there's a new Miss game coming out based on a new Miss TV show. That's based on the original game. So, let me repeat that. There is a new Myst game coming out. Based on a new Myst TV show. That is based on the original game. I really don't know what's going on here. That's the news bite. (laughs) I just thought you guys should know. (laughs) That there is a new Myst game. Coming out about a you know based on a new Mist TV show, based on the original Mist.
1: I, I, I wonder how many times you, you have to say that before it'll it'll anyone can understand what exactly that means, um, because no, it's like twenty years ago I would be like running around screaming about this news. I'd be super excited because I'll admit I didn't get very far in the Mist, but I sure as, as hell tried. Um, I mean that game was so com Complex and, and you know, admittedly, it was a little bit before like the days of Game Facts for me to be like looking up how to how to get through that and all. Um, although there were stories back then, but um, it makes sense that especially the way entertainment works nowadays, with with studios reaching out to existing media that they can co-opt for their productions, um, it makes sense. I mean, Mist is a very lore rich world, and especially, I mean, you look at the, you know, you look at a lot of like the episodic TV, um, you know, kind of you know, thinking about Lost and, and even Twin Peaks returning, where you've got these very, uh, you know, mythological universes uh, with a sort of sto- story at heart. Um, you know, I think I think Mist kind of fits that. So it, it it makes sense from a television perspective that Mist could work as a TV show. And then I guess if you go one step further, it'd be like, hey, if we can bring this back, why not put out another game? I think the only question at this point is, how would the Mist gameplay fare at this point? I know they did Uru, what was it, that was... I want to say a few years ago. I feel like that was like a good eight years ago at this point.
0: Um, (laughs) I don't even know what game you're talking about. Never heard of it.
1: That was, that was missed on uh, the the, supposed to be missed online.
0: Nope. Now we're going to bell.
1: That didn't exactly. Exactly. Uh, That's got about the same PR as uh, WildStar does, but uh, (laughs) no, but uh, you know, like that, that eventually closed and and didn't really do too well. Um, It's just, I feel like Mist was very much a product of its time. Like, Myst is the reason why a lot of people went out and bought computers with CD drives, because they're like, oh, shit, we can play this game, and it's amazing. Like, even listening to CDs at that point was kind of secondary. Um, And so, like, that kind of, like, high-resolution – you know, it was high-resolution, but it was all still images. That's all it was. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean – I mean, to, to you look at a puzzle like that where you have to go around and like clicking on different things. Like that's like Warcraft has puzzles like that. Like you go, you mouse over shit in a 3D environment, and sometimes you have to find the item that you're looking for. Like it's not that innovative now. So it, like the story would have to carry the game. So I, I I really don't expect a lot out of that. Other than it'll be pretty. But I feel like I'm curious to watch the TV show and see how that develops. I think that might uh, that might get my attention.
0: Yeah, I'm not interested at all. <laughs> Mist has never been interesting to me. Maybe I was just too young when it came out, but uh, yeah. So there you go. There's a new mist for you guys that's based on the old mist. Anyway, uh, our last news bite is uh, something I've been saying. It's actually uh, analysts are expecting Call of Duty to consa- uh, the the sales to decline, uh, and they, I don't think they really gave a re- good reasons in this article here. Uh, that they expect to decline, they just they just expect it to continue to decline, they expect it to sell less than ghosts I have very specific reasons why I think it's gonna sell less and that's mainly because the gameplay dynamic is, is changing from what their core audience wants like I I think i've, I've talked about on the, on the podcast before where I, I know guys who specifically say they will not play other shooters because it's not realistic you know putting that in quotes like if 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 the game is in the future or you're not killing humans like you're killing like you know aliens or you know fighting on another planet they won't play it you know they won't play a shooter they play call of duty because it's once again in quotes realistic uh so and i think that's a lot of call of Duty's fan base where they they feel badass you know, playing this game. Like, I know people who talk so much shit for being good at Call of Duty to the point that I just don't even talk about it anymore. Except right now. But, um, I am actually looking forward to Call of Duty because of the changes they're making. making Not because it's more futuristic, but because they're adding double jumping and dodging, which gives you a whole lot of movement options. And I, I just don't know how that's going to play on a console. I think on a console, it's going to be more clunky than anything. But then again, you know, who knows?
1: So, are you more excited then about Call of Duty's gameplay than you are about Quake Live's gameplay?
0: Yes, <laughs> I, I maybe because I, I I want the change. And Call of Duty is gonna have a huge. It's gonna, even though it's gonna decline in sales, it's gonna have a huge player base. So I'm very curious to see you know what happens. How exactly how much movement can you do, uh, you know, when you're dodging and double jumping? You know, is it going to be more free-form like, you know, Unreal Tournament 2004 was? Because that, in my opinion, that that game is the pinnacle of arena shooters. That game was incredible. I made some beautiful kills. Some kills that, when I did it, people had no choice. but be like, wow, that was awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. That, it's uh, I, I'm curious. I know it's not going to be like that. Don't get me wrong. I I don't have my hopes up. I just know... Well, I'm expecting that I'm going to enjoy this more than the average Call of Duty. Right now, my favorite Call of Duty that's come out in the recent years has to be Black Ops 2. And that was for the single player. That was for the single player. I thought the single player for that was really good. So, I don't know. We'll see. I think uh, while it may pick, you know, some, pe- some people who have been playing Call of Duty or who, who haven't been playing Call of Duty, especially the multiplayer, may enjoy this because it's going to be, especially for PC, there's more... There's gonna be a uh, not a, a a larger skill gap, you know what I'm saying? A, lar- a larger skill, a higher skill ceiling, I should say, and uh, I think that's good. But in terms of their core fan base, um, the game is just running its course. It's running its course, and that's what happened. It, it's it's bec- it's it's it, it's doing a Farmville, you know. And whereas Farmville couldn't expand because that the gameplay was so simple. You know, Call of Duty is trying to expand and change, and I think they're going to lose some fans because of that. But knowing Activision, they're probably just the box the game up once it's not hitting their expectations. <clears throat> so, all right, but yeah, that was our last news bite. Let's get into our articles. So, got a couple things here. Uh, first of all, Assassin's Creed Unity it has been confirmed that the for, for both both Xbox One and PS4. Uh, the game is going to be locked at 900p, 30 frames per second. Gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about Intel pulling advertising from Gamma Sutra, and we're gonna talk about social game money makers. And uh, not we're not we're not talking about people who actually, uh, you know, uh, spend money. We're talking about people who make money for the game, and I guess we'll explain that a bit more. But first up, let's uh talk about a statement that came out of Capcom. Uh, that Capcom was unlikely to make a sequel to a game that sells below 2 million copies. Uh, So the person who said it was Capcom producer uh, Yoshinori Ono. I'm pretty sure I'm saying that wrong. (laughs) Yoshinori Ono. Uh, He says that... Well, actually, I'll just read the quote. For instance... Actually, yeah, yeah, okay, I'll just read the quote. I was going to say something else, but the quote says it all. For instance, if a game doesn't sell over two million copies, then we have to put the brakes on any plans for a sequel. All that means is that we weren't able, that we weren't capable enough, and all we can do after that is reflect on the experience, take what we can learn from it, and try to apply those lessons on some other title and I mean <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, 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 that that <laughs> statement itself I mean like, I mean I know people cry that there's too many sequels out but sometimes you know a first game is okay and the sequel is amazing and I think saying that a game on its first go has to sell two million copies to make a sequel is like wow that that right there that that that's a really high number for a cutoff you know like the the first game that comes to mind for me is Assassin's Creed. Um, even though I do think the original Assassin's Creed sold more than two million, actually I can look that up, um, but still Assassin's Creed 1 was okay, it was, I mean, it it was alright, it, you know, it wasn't that great, they had a lot of growing to do, and they did that in Assassin's Creed 2 but like you know the first game was okay the second game was incredible and it was the second game that actually launched the franchise into what it is now into that yearly seller for uh ubisoft but the first one imagine if the first one didn't really meet sales expectations uh then which a high seller expectation like two million copies and they would have never just made the other one. Because as soon as they made Assassin's Creed 1, they had to start working on Assassin's Creed 2. They already had to have two games in mind because Assassin's Creed 2 came out like, two years later, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And it takes a while to make those games. Well,
1: well you've got to figure too that like when developers are working on a game, like as they're going through the fe- like the feature set, like one, you figure their original plans are probably more ambitious than what they can do because they haven't like when they're first designing the game, they haven't built all the systems that they're gonna need. And so as they're going through and doing that, that's when they have to start cutting out features and kinda of figuring out what can we realistically produce. And then second, even then as they're going through, like they're probably still iterating even though they actually can't. So I'm sure that even before they get to the point of deciding like we should do a sequel, they've just done a lot of the work as far as like okay like now if we could go back and do this all again which would be the sequel like we can do this way better and do way more awesome stuff and so yeah it makes sense that they would start develop you know they, like they would be able to like have that in the pipeline to be like you know what we just shipped Assassin's Creed 1 regardless of how it does we can make it a really awesome Assassin's Creed 2 let's go do that it's that you know it's it's that kind of mentality that, that I mean fundamentally he's not wrong he's like okay we, you know he's, we weren't capable enough we can take what we learned from it and try to apply those lessons on some other title that title should be the sequel <laughs> like that because otherwise what you're gonna wind up doing is like doing like it's like, it'd be like doing Assassin's Creed one and then taking all those lessons that you learned and all those mechanics that you that you developed and then being like well let's slap this on some other franchise like there's a sense of, of iteration and development and growth that happens. Like, as you watch a franchise progress, as you watch Call of Duty get to the point that we can talk about it kind of having reached its pinnacle and and being bloated and, and really having nowhere to grow. Like, to, for a franchise to get to that point, like, it has to evolve. And, and this is where it starts. This is the germination of that. And to sit there and say, you know, that, oh, well, you know, I mean, too, I mean, I. I get like the, the gaming industry, especially AAA titles, are, are in a very you know precarious situation right now. But two million t- copies—I mean, did uh, did Tomb Raider even hit two million copies? I think it was like it just barely broke that, right?
0: I, th- I thought it was three million copies. Oh, that one—that one hit three million. I think it did, but uh, yeah, like I think within the first three months, it didn't meet expectations, and then that oh, was it—the first month. I think it, I think Tomb Raider was a different story. When did that come out? 2011?
1: Uh, no, no, no 20,
0: 2013, I thought twenty thirteen. I'm sorry. Oof. Uh, so yeah, I think within the first. Here we go. Actually, no. Maybe I was wrong. It said the the game has sold more than one million copies in less than forty eight hours of its release. I think I think I think Capcom not Capcom um, Square Enix wanted it to sell three million copies in the first month.
1: Oh, uh, okay. Cause yeah, it was one of those games like it sold well, but it was a disappointment.
0: <laughs> yeah, that they were ridiculous. Oh, yeah, that's right here it is. Uh so I think yeah, they wanted it to sell 3 million copies, but in its first month it didn't sell 3 million copies. It took 3 months for it to sell 3 million copies. Cuz that game actually got discounted pretty quickly. So that you know, that, that was a that was a different beast.
1: <laughs> you know, and that's an interesting point too is that you can fudge sales by lowering the price point so i mean you know if you need to get a game to two million copies you can always lower the price point until it will sell um you can also i, I could also see capcom you know trying to market this like hey you know we'll make a sequel if there's two million games sold so go out and buy two or three copies and then we'll be, you'll get your sequel
0: Yeah, uh, yeah i don't think that's gonna work but still like two million copies before you even consider making a sequel i mean maybe we're just not grasping the scope of it but maybe the the scopes that they're going for are too big, and I think you know I, I you, with the problems that Ubisoft has, uh, you know, in regards to PC games, and on several other aspects, uh, one thing that they that they did begin to grasp very well is that you don't have to have a huge budget to have a great game, and you see that with some of their titles that are coming out recently, like it was a Child of Light. Where that that like that team is now like a major team that made that game and they definitely that that game was not a big budget production, so they have that they have Rayman they have the rabbits games you know they have all types of stuff that not, aren't necessarily like these huge these these heavy hitters, and maybe Capcom needs to look at that. Because, uh, I mean, what was, what was the last, besides Dead Rising, like, what was the other la- last, like, um, well, Dead Rising, and pretty much every time they release a Street Fighter, well, you know, what other, like, what other games are they really coming out with that are memorable? Like, Capcom doesn't really feel like much of a player, unless you're talking about, like, the fighting genre, you know, and that's the thing. So, yeah, two million copies just seems like a lot to be like, oh, yeah, we're going to, you know, we won't even consider a sequel for a game because there's a lot of games where you could make it, especially a new IP that nobody knows. You make it, you put it out, and then, you know, you get your feedback, and then you, uh, you know, you can make it that a, a much better game. I'm really trying to think now. I can't remember the last time I saw a Capcom symbol on my TV screen. <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it. Mega Man? Well, it was the last thing they put out of Mega Man. It was like Mega Man Ten. Yeah, you know, I'm talking about for a new game. So I don't know, man. Like, I, I just don't, I just don't, don't like that. You know, that mentality. I mean, I guess technically speaking, if you spend a certain amount of money in a game, you're you, to get your money back, you need to sell a certain amount of copies. That's one thing. But maybe they just need to be more efficient in their money spending and the scope of you know their games. Maybe who knows we'll we'll see we'll we'll see, we'll, we'll see how uh, <laughs> how how well they stick to that
1: yeah I, I will admit i am curious to see the first time that we get a game that comes out from them that doesn't sell 2 million copies to see what they have to say cuz i'd like to think they'll bring this up again but maybe the game will just won't sell and they won't talk about it
0: yeah that's true that is that is very true and a lot of games especially new ips if that if that's what they're talking about a brand new game that doesn't have any sequels i mean the games usually start small, and you know, people some people play, it and then word of mouth gets around, and now way more people play. Like, look at Dead Space. Um, oh, and back to Assassin's Creed, real quick. So, between 2007 and 2009, Assassin's Creed sold 8 million copies. So, that's kind of impressive. Maybe kind of irrelevant for this conversation at this point, but I know the newer Assassin's Assassin's Creed 2 and higher, they definitely sold more than that faster. Um, But look at Dead Space. I think Dead Space came out in 2007 or 2008, and it took two years for that game to sell two million copies. And they still made Dead Space 2. They made Dead Space 2 probably as soon as they got done with Dead Space 1. They start making Dead Space 2. And that paid off for EA because Dead Space 2 was a good game. And Dead Space 3 was a good action game. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so... If EA had that same mentality, which is surprising because you would think they would with the way they react to certain things. um, But even though they're not the take-it-out-to-the-back-to-shooter back to shoot it, activision style you know, uh, type of company, but still... Uh, but yeah, if they would have reacted the same way, they would have never had Dead Space two and three, and they would have never thought about making a Dead Space, you know, Uncharted game. <laughs> they would have never had that wonderful conversation. So um, yeah, I, th- I think that's a bit much. Like you gotta, I think you really have to analyze it. You can't just look from a numbers perspective. You can't just have a guy, you know, guys like looking at it like in an accounting department. Like oh nope, didn't sell enough, not approving this, forget about it. You gotta have you know people look at the at the fan base at the word of mouth getting around and that's another thing. like with a game that's uh that you know may not sell that well at first you have to look at the 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 pre-owned market too at that point because now when they go into a GameStop you know if after the first three months GameStop is not selling a new copy of that game you know they're selling a pre-owned version so how many of those are being recirculated you know so you can see People who potentially might buy the game next time. So there's a lot of factors that that statement does not encompass. So, but, uh, I kind, oh, of, I sorry, I kind of
1: want to see, like, somebody, like, a game sell, like, 1.9999 million copies, and then, like, some executive <laughs> just, like, running out at the last minute. I just need to buy one. I just need to buy
0: one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we were talking about Assassin's Creed and I guess that we can just segue right into our next topic from that uh, regarding Assassin's Creed being unlocked at uh, 900p, 30 frames per second. Which, you know, some people are like, well, what's the big deal with the frames per second? You know, it's not that big of a deal. No, it is a big deal because people are paying $400 for brand new consoles that are obviously limited. This is a huge difference from when... You went from PS2 to PS3 and Xbox to Xbox 360. The Xbox 360 and the PS3, when they came out, they were on the top of their game. They competed with PC, and now that's not the case. You have brand new consoles coming out after eight years of the old consoles, and they can't even maintain 1080p, which is... That should be standard across the board. 1080p, 60 frames per second, should be standard across the board, just like PC is and the way God intended it. So, so that, that, like, it, it is a big deal for the naysayers. that say it's not that big deal. Resolution gate is a problem. Uh, but the reason why it's locked to that... Uh, Ubisoft is actually opening, uh, being quite open with it. They're saying that the CPU specs are are a limiting factor for Assassin's Creed Unity on consoles. They said the GPUs are fine. The GPUs are actually pretty powerful. The problem is the CPUs uh, that actually. which was noted before these consoles even came out, the CPUs, they clock kind of low. And the CPU is what controls the AI. So my dreams of having great AI is crushed by, you know, both, hey, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm on the Sony, uh, for the consoles, I'm on the Sony boat right now, but by both Sony and Microsoft choosing to go with a cheap CPU because that's where it matters. I mean, it could make a world of difference. I mean, I, I, I remember... Well, right before i got my xbox 360 okay i had an xbox i bought neat for speed most wanted okay one day i i found a see because this is when it was really hard to get a 360 too i was in a sears for god knows what reason and i saw they had one xbox 360 and i was like i'll take it so i bought it brought it home and actually i took my uh i took my xbox and traded in a GameStop with all the games, including Need for Speed Most Wanted. So I had played through half of Need for Speed Most Wanted at this point. The good one that came out in 2005, by the way, or 6. When I brought home the Need for Speed Most Wanted for the Xbox 360, there was a world of difference between the cop chases in the Xbox version and the cop chases in the uh, Xbox 360 version. Huge, huge differences. And, um,. Yeah man, I <laughs> I wanted to see that with the new games. I wanted to see another huge jump in AI performance and I'm just not seeing it. You know, I, in the games I played I've just not seen it. especially Watch Dogs. Watch Dogs was embarrassing how dumb the AI was, okay? And I'm just not saying it. That's why CPU is very important, but you know, CPU controls a lot of stuff besides, you know, um just the you know just the AI, and in order to you know keep the games running smoothly as opposed to varying frame rate, they lock in at 30 frames and also it you know it, it's more CPU intensive for them to run at 1080p and you know the consoles just can't handle it
1: so I guess it, it seems that maybe that this was a necessary a sad, but necessary step that had to happen because previously, you know, every console launch would come out with the the highest level specs. And then the, you know, the console makers would be losing money on that because you can't put out a console, uh, you know, top level console at affordable prices uh, and, you know, make a profit on that. And then it was the old theory, you know, uh, you know, you know, sell the, uh, sell the razor or uh, give away the razors for free, but sell the blades. You know, make your make your money back on the games and whatnot. And you know, as the manufacturing process and the parts, the, the cost, of parts would go down throughout the the, the life cycle of the console. Eventually, the, the the console makers would start to make a profit. And it seems that what they did is rather than go for that top of the line expansion, they kind of went for something that would just be okay. And it's rather it's rather surprising because i mean for one we've been talking about how subpar these console specs have been since even before they were announced when we were getting uh you know like rumors about how subpar they were going to be um and and you know so it's it's, you know basically everything that we sort of expected and to a degree i I don't want to say feared but feared um you know came to pass but also like it seems that what the what was bound to happen? This seems like it was inevitable. Bullet. inevitable. I don't know why I can't speak right now. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> no, because no, because like you figure that the console makers, because they want to accelerate the point at which they can make a profit, and they had to bring that back to the launch day. So it, you know, so going forward, they've basically declared like you are not going to see a top of the line console that can compete with PC again. You know that now we're getting these. You know, I mean, there's still good console experiences. They're still better than the one that came before, but th- at this point they're marginally better. And I wonder if and it's especially surprising because the last generation for the Xbox 360 and the PS3 went so long. It seems that it seems odd to take such a long break between consoles and then have the next step be slightly incremental. You would have thought that because of how long of a gap or or a delay it had been, that they would have made a significant jump in power. But they only made enough of a jump that Technically, technically, the GPU can do amazing things if you have completely dumb AI. <laughs> like if you just put stuff on the screen, like sure it'll look pretty, but if you don't actually tell it to do anything, um, you know you can you you know you'll be fine. And so I'm wondering if maybe now that we've seen this gap, but even then, even then, like you figure for the next. Now that we've sort of like this was a gap that we had to eat to a degree, like as a, like, we weren't gonna, like the last console came out with top of the line specs and we weren't going to see that again. So this gap was instead of a full jump, it was like a half jump. So you figure the, for the next console generation, there will be a full jump because whatever the, dis- the difference is between the current technology and whatever technology they're going to want to use, that'll be the cheapest they can pr- use at the time of console launch. That'll be what should be a full generation. But the thing is that's still not going to compete with PC at that time. And so I think that's really the problem going forward is for all these games that are on the PC and also on the consoles, like the PC game is just going to be neutered. Like there's – it's at some point – point, like and it feels like – it, it's 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 frightening to be saying that we're basically talking about this barely a year into the console life cycle, but at some point soon, it's not going to be feasible to develop a game for the console anymore if you want a top-of-the-line gaming experience, or conversely, it's not going to be feasible to release a game on PC if you're trying to put it on console, because the di- the difference is just that great, like, I mean, yes, you it'll, it'll play on the PC, like, that'll be fine, but it'll be so inferior to b- by comparison to what's on PC, and that's already happening, but it's it's it's, it's surprisingly how quickly this, uh, in a way, I mean, it it feels vastly premature, but in a way it almost feels like the consoles are dead already. Like, they were dead on arrival. And, I mean, I know that there's a large public that only plays consoles and everything, and for them, the argument about resolution and, and PC... You know, specs being comparative doesn't matter because this looks better. You know, their Xbox One looks better than their 360. The PS4 looks better than their PS3. The PS5 and the Xbox, whatever, will look better than, the Xbox you know, two, this. Man. Gen- the Xbox, the Xbox two. two. No, at this point, I'm expecting, like, the Xbox Negative <laughs> Four, the Xbox Pi. But, uh, no. So it's, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's disappointing that. We're seeing like you know like we're seeing these decisions like you want as a as a gaming fan you want your console to like just beat the shit out of everything and it just can't just can't. That's yeah,
0: sad. I mean, I really can't expect. I really don't expect this console cycle to like, in the last ten years. Like it can't, it can't last ten years. It can't do what it did last time. Uh, and in terms of PC, like you know, making PC games for you know on console games as well. I mean um the engines that people use like Unity, Unreal, they actually do a pretty good job of scaling like you know, you can scale back textures uh or a scale back performance uh and put something on a console and then scale it up and then you know release that on PC. I mean you're still going to have problems. Like you're still going to have you're still going to have problems like you're still going to have to like, have like a main platform to focus on, because game development in itself is difficult, you know, it's, uh, game development is, in itself, it is difficult, so, uh, you're going to have your, your main platform, and I guess whatever the hardest platform to to develop for, they probably, uh, they're probably going to focus on that, and then, you know, whatever, wherever the consoles lands, uh, that's where they land, uh, but one thing that should be, noted, to be fair, is that clock speed isn't everything. Uh, you can't, like, I mean, we have, technically speaking, right now we have CPUs that have a lower clock speed than older GP- CPUs, and the newer CPUs are faster. That being said, though, the cores that are in the PS4 and in the Xbox uh, One, uh, they were chosen because they were very low cost. And that's why they went with AMD on top of that, because they wanted to have low cost you know, uh, CPUs, so they didn't have to charge you $600 for a console this time, and those cores, the, they're, they're, the, well, the AMD cores that are in the Xbox One, the PS4, are comparable to some low-end stuff you would get on a PC a few years ago, and that's why they're having the problems they are right now, so, uh, but, Let's uh speaking of cores, wow, this is kind of rolling all together. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even think about those speaking of cores, speaking of processors, let's talk about Intel pulling uh, its advertising from Gamasutra. Sutra. So at this point I'm pretty sure everybody is aware of Gamersgate and what's going on.
1: Gamergate. Gamersgate is actually the site that sells games.
0: Oh yeah, Gamergate. Whoops. <laughs> You're absolutely right. So, uh, Gamergate, oh man, they must hate that Gamergate is going on right now now that I think well, about it.
1: They either hate it or they love it because they're getting a lot of incidental traffic.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, Gamergate uh, is going on. And a few weeks ago, Lay Alexander She put together a pretty scathing article uh, called Gamers Are Dead.
1: I thought yeah. gamers are over.
0: Was Sorry, that actually yeah. gamers are dead? Gamers are over. There was another one by somebody else called "Gamers Are Dead." Uh, so, you know, she put that out, and of course, they got a lot of negative, a big negative reception, uh, mainly because a lot of Gamasutra's readers are gamers. <laughs> okay, so what happened is a lot of people who were upset by her article emailed Intel. And told and you know basically they 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 pressured Intel to drop their advertising from Gama Sutra. That's what they did, and Intel was like, okay, fine, you know, we're gonna drop it. Uh, now, in response to that, well, first of all, that that was a pretty big win for those who support Gamergate, uh, for, because you know somebody finally listened to them, I guess, you know, or or it showed the cost of. You know, completely. You know, scolding your audience. You know, trying standing on a pedestal and telling people that they're not good enough, <laughs> pretty much, uh, to a degree. Uh, we'll get into it. I know Nick has something to say. <laughs> All right, look at the, the the look on his face. <laughs> but um, now and now, uh, there was some backlash from that from people who support Lay Alexander's side uh there' was some saying that you know Intel basically now so uh, saying that they they support gamergate. That's what they're saying. and Intel's response to that was uh that they apologize and they said they you know that's not what they really meant, and uh they're not gonna put the ads back on, but they're sorry for those who took offense to it. <laughs> so they they're basically saying, uh, yeah, we're sorry that you're upset but we know who pays our bills. I mean, that's the thing. Like, what do you expect Intel to do? You know, Intel knows that those people who are emailing them are the people buying high-end CPUs. You know, they're buying high-end CPUs, they're spending the money. Like, how many people buy a $350 processor? It's it's funny,
1: because if you go back to the article in question by Alexander, um, she talks about how uh, you know like video game culture sort of was produced because you had these companies pandering to young white men with money. And so, you know, her argument is like one of the things that they introduced in their pandering was sort of sexism, you know, like, you know, bikini clad women to kind of, you know, get to them. And, and that, you know, you know, you know, years later that evolved into the sort of the movement that we have now. But it's funny because her argument is that, you know, she says that gay, you know, g- gamers are over because they, you know, they need to see that their culture, you know, or their lack of culture, you know, is so much larger than their, you know, than them, that they are not a special consumer that, you know, companies don't need to just pander to them. But that's exactly what Intel did. Like the fact that Intel pulled out because of her article saying that you guys are not special was the exact opposite point that she wanted to make. And that is, that's like, Ironically, hilarious, kind of in the Alanis Morissette sense, but like it, it. Really, I mean, to be to be fair, Intel. It was one specific ad campaign for their Real Sense, uh, their Real Sense platform that they were advertising, and that's what they pulled. That had started earlier in the year before the article, and then the they basically ended the campaign early. Uh, they didn't say, they didn't say that they weren't uh, they didn't say that they weren't going to advertise on. Gama Sutra again. They just kind of said like that campaign is over, and that's all we're talking about. Um, but you know, it's 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 one of those things where for Intel, like yes, that is your marketing base. But on the the other problem though is then you definitely have a problem where that movement is associated with misogyny by a large number of people who are also very um, very public. I mean, you know, one of the one of, I mean. You know, one of the issues with Gamer GamerGate is that it kind of feels like it's the gamers versus the gaming media, and the gaming media that they're media; they have a voice, and so they can very easily rally around and start slinging mud at Intel for doing this. And so Intel needs to publicly state that. And I, I, it's one of those things where I think as a company, especially for an, you know, like a war within the community like this, you don't want to pick a side. Like you know, you kind of don't need you know you don't need to have like people arguing over you and really the the best thing they could have done would have been to do nothing but I kind of wonder I kind of wonder like the thing about Gamergate like ostensibly it's you know young white men that are you know sort of pro- pro- propagating it um, you know by and large not to say that everybody in Gamergate is young white male but that's kind of the group that, that is sort of associated with that and I wonder, though, but you've had people like Adam Baldwin, who's, you know, he's an older white man, um, but you've had, you know, other people sort of associating with that. And I wonder, especially if you look, if you think about the people that work in the tech industry, I wonder if, like, anybody you didn't tell was actually, like, not necessarily part of Gamergate, but at least sympathetic to the cause, that maybe somebody who was involved in that, like, you know... I'm not saying that they were that people at Intel were misogynistic, but maybe they're like, you know what, Lee, you know, they were like Lee Alexander's piece, you know, was it was a piece of crap, and you know, Gamma Sutra shouldn't have published that, and I have no problem pulling that. Like, I wonder how, you know, again, because the movement is so amorphous and you don't know who's part of it. Like, you know, could anybody at Intel actually have been involved with that? I wonder about that.
0: Oh I yeah, mean, there's a possibility, but I don't think so. I think what Intel saw was an article attacking their 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 fan base not their family but their their market there was an article attacking their market they put the article on gama sutra for a reason you know to reach a certain market and the article was actually attacking their market so i mean it's a, it's a good idea so hey we need to get out of here i mean like they had no choice but to make a move if they didn't do anything their market would have said oh well you support the media Whereas they didn't, if they did do something, now you have people, you know, saying, "Oh, you support GamerGate," which just isn't the case it was just a biz- it was a business move.
1: Yeah, but they, they I feel like they could have just thrown up their hands and been like, "Look, you know, we have deals, and you know, it's you know, just kind of like been fairly dismissive." And even then, if people are privately sending them emails, is oh, I think it was Op- Operation Disrespectful Nod was what it was called to sort of, and I know Intel is not the only company that they've attempted to reach out to Intel's the only one that responded. So I think like Intel could have just kind of ignored whatever requests they were getting and, you know, you know, continued with the ad campaign, but for, for, yeah, for clearly that, I mean that, that article it's, it was incredibly, it was trolling. I mean, she was trolling, you know, she was trolling an already riled up fan base and that's, you know, it's, you know, I mean, get, you know, she's one of the editors for Gama Sutra, so clearly, you know, she she can post what she wants. Um, but yeah, it's. I mean, this has been a this has been a brutal battle.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, the thing is, there's always more to the story than people let on. Like, like for example, with the whole a. Alexander thing, there, uh, you know, a lot of her proponents. I'm I'm not even sure if I'm using that word correctly. I think. Oh, I you am. are, you are. <laughs> yeah, you are. Uh, proponents are saying oh, well, the people who didn't like the article are just misogynist or they identify with Gamer and that's why they're upset. But that's not, no, that's part of the case. But that's not the full case. A lot of people, and it was even brought up in the comments of that article, was about how hypocritical she was when, you know, she's saying these things about Gamer, but her herself, she's on the uh, equality front. She's not all there, like she has clearly said there is no such thing as racism against white people. Wait, what? yes, <laughs> like, she has she has said these things that there's no such thing as racism against white people you know, you know you know
1: I hate these talks because I was reading another article about a different kind of inequality and sort of the re- the, re- the re- reactions to all that and somebody made a point. They're like, we have somebody on our side who says very inflammatory comments and we don't agree with everything that this person says, but we appreciate that this person is on our side because these comments get attention and they draw people to studying and learning more and finding out the truth. And that, you know, it's, it's basically the person trolls, but since they're trolling it for our side, it's okay. And I look at all of these comments and a lot of the stuff that's happening here. And I feel like, both sides have people who are trolling and saying things that they know are hyperbolic and intended just to get a reaction and not even necessarily what they do or don't believe. And I feel like that because everybody's trying to overreach, it, you know, it's, it's you know, kind of the old shoot for the moon and maybe hit the stars. Like if I try to claim the whole argument, we'll meet somewhere in the middle, but, but both people are doing that and they're just clashing and hitting their heads so hard. There's no room for any kind of actual debate. And, like this, like that's why this article like it disheartens me because she may well not necessarily believe. She, I mean, she may well believe. It, I honestly don't know. I don't like publicly. She does. She believes gamers are over. I don't know what she actually believes, but like she had to know. Like this was a piece of troll. Like that's all this was was just an attempt to rile everybody up and get page views, and it doesn't help the debate. It got. I, you know I mean I don't want to say that I'm you know like it it, it sucks for Gama Sutra that they lost an advertiser as a result of that I hope whatever page views they got in exchange like offset that but it's just this didn't this didn't help anything this didn't help anybody it just it just rattled up both sides and just exacerbated the situation
0: right well the, actually I, I, I was talking to somebody else about this one of the biggest problems with the whole situation is that both sides neither side, Is looking at the issue balanced. Like the people who are, let's say, let's use uh, Anita Sarkeesian, for example. The people who are pro-feminist frequency, Anita Sarkeesian, are not fully understanding why the people who dislike it are upset. When you say something bad about those Anita Sarkeesian videos, you are instantaneously a misogynist. Or, you know, you don't believe in equality, stuff like that. Uh, so, the, you know, there's that side of it, uh, and then you have the people who are against Anita Sarkeesian, I shouldn't say against, but don't like the feminist frequency videos and don't like Anita Sarkeesian, and they're all, well, she's a feminazi, and then you do, what, you do really have guys who do think that women are out to get men. They do exist, so let's, uh, let's, let's not act like that doesn't happen, because, they absolutely do exist, just like um, yeah. So you know, just like there are, I'm not gonna say there are women out to get men, but there are women who are a bit more or a bit people who are part of that the, that uh, feminist culture that are a bit more militant than the issue should be, <laughs> you know, a bit a bit rougher around the edges. Let's let's call it what it is. Than you know, than they than they really should be about it. So th- those people do exist on both sides, but it's not the entire movement on either side of it. Like, the biggest problem, like, I I stopped, I didn't watch the last two videos that Sarkeesian put out. Because it's like, what's the point? I watched the first few, and, uh, the way she misrepresents games, I'm like, I can't even, like, you can't even debate about this. Well, one, because she closes the comments, but two, because what I just said, (laughs) um... So, like, when I saw that, like, in every video, she was misrepresenting games. Like, you know, she would take the plot of a game and kind of, like, tell it in a way that made her point, you know, sound, or, you know, made her point valid. And I could have did the same exact thing in the opposite way. And that kind of pissed me off, and it was why I don't watch those videos anymore, but... You know, some people who are or who are on that side wouldn't see it that way. I'm just a misogynist. I don't want to hear about the problem, and that's not really the case. I'm open to debate any day. But anyway, uh, like, and, it's, and like I guess it's the same thing on the other side. Like, you know, some like some people. Like, I mean, obviously there are equality issues uh, with women, uh, other races. Like, that's it's all it's undeniable. But there are people who deny it, and then literally, there are people who just don't know. Like they don't see it, you know. I think the uh, one of my favorite examples is is the term um, white privilege. Okay, most of the time when you say that word, the person does not fully grasp what you're talking about. Like they don't understand. <laughs> Like, they either think, like, when when you say white privilege, I know a lot of people get mad about it, because when you say white privilege, I think they instantaneously think that you mean they get away with extra stuff, or they're living a better life, like, you know, they they have more money in you, they have no problems, and all that, you know what I'm saying? Like, a lot of people instantaneously think that, and other people just really don't know what it means, like... And, well, I guess the first group would also fall into that category, too. <laughs> but, um, you know, like, they don't want to hear, like, you know, what it actually means or what the, the concept of that phrase is. And I think um, that's the same type of thing we're seeing when it comes to the feminism misogyny thing. Like, it's not everything or nothing. This is not a black and white issue there's a lot of uh, colors there.
1: It's not a black and white issue. It's not a race issue.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Go Nick. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that, that, that's the thing. I think, I think that's the biggest problem here. Like neither side is really talking. Everybody's yelling well,
1: at it's each not, other. Not that neither side is even talking. It's that any, any voice that tries to talk is just drowned out. Like everybody, I mean, at this point, if you wanted to even actually, like, if you sent an email to Sarkeesian to be like, I disagree with you for these reasons, because you said she closed her comments, like, is she even reading her email at this point to get to that? Like, I mean, maybe she is, but, like, at the same time, how much of that, you know, of her mailboxes, like, death threats and, and, you know, like, pornographic pictures and stuff, like, the level of harassment is so high that any actual noise or any actual signal that you're trying to get through is blurred out. And it's... It's become militant. It's just like on on both sides. Like there's no, there's no way to have, there's no way to have a reasonable discussion at this point. And we really, we kind of need to wait for this to die down a little bit. And then once people move on, then I think some of the, the the more rational voices can come out and actually begin to engage in a dialogue. But right now it's just,
0: I don't think that's going to happen. And I blame the internet because as soon as it comes back up again, People yeah. are gonna start yelling. Right now the two extreme the extremes on both sides are actually doing the opposite of what they I guess what they conceptually what their goal is to, to make change because the extremes on both sides are yelling so loudly that, you know, the other side doesn't wanna listen. And then you're right, when somebody does want to actually have a dialogue about it, they they can't. They can't. Because I mean what happens what happens if Sarkeesian does go to a panel and she's like, okay, let's talk about it, you know, and what are the odds? Are, are the odds going to be that somebody who is level-headed is going to go up to that mic and have a discussion? Or are you a fucking feminist? Like, uh, that guy, that guy's going to yeah, get on exactly. the microphone exactly. and, that, and then it's going to be over, you know? You know, but,
1: you know, but that's the kind of thing, though, like, I don't even know if Sarkeesian would go to a panel where the questions weren't moderated and I'm not saying that, not because like, she's trying to dodge criticism like i'm saying that because like the level of harassment that she's getting i think that kind of dictates like she's only going to go to like you know when you've been chased from your home by death threats i feel like you're you're all you're acting on a different level than everybody else right right. and so like you know regardless of of her interest in having the dialogue like she can no longer have that like she's been put in a position where that's not feasible so like to to i I think really what's happening is that the, the one thing that all the people who are talking about the misogyny and and sort of you know the the i guess anti-gamer gate group for for, or anti-gamer i should say for lack of a better word Um, but really I i think irrespective of the entire debate even like the debate ultimately is trying to i guess one quiet down sort of the the more volatile elements of the community so that just in general, we, you know, nobody needs to have their Twitter feed blown up with people retweeting, like, hateful tweets. Like, whether it's to show, like, look at what the other side is doing or whether it's to be, like, you know, like, promoting your own. Like, nobody needs to see that. And so if, if part of the argument is to get that to shut up, like, the only way we can get that to shut up is to kind of, like, just shut the argument down altogether. But the thing is, like, I think most people are aware to some level that there is misogyny, you know, or, or there, you know, there is a certain lack of equality within the gaming world. I think most people are aware that, you know, in the case of, you know, companies that are predominantly white males, like they can do more to promote diversity. Um, And I think the other thing too is there's nothing stopping women or, you know, any other group from going out and making their own games and producing their own content, be it as the media, because again, one of the big issues with Gamergate is that the media is corrupt and suspect, or even just putting out the games that you want to play. I think that's the biggest, that's the biggest resolution of this is that to the, 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 the barrier to entry is so low now, if you want to see media that, that's not being made, you can go make it. This is
0: true. This <laughs> and is so
1: true. I think a lot of this argument is gonna just die down over time as people get involved and, and the, the, the industry just progresses. And so maybe this is you know, maybe this is to a degree kind of, you know, as as Alexander asserts, kind of like, you know, that one last like gasp of a culture that that is kind of being phased out. Like maybe it is to a degree, but on the other hand, like if that's the case, like one writing an article pointing that out isn't going to change anything, and like you know, getting Intel to stop supporting the website isn't going to change anything. Like the culture and the society and the and ga- the gaming industry is going in the direction that it's going. Like you can't you can't get women out of games. If that's if if you're one of the poor souls that wants women out of games entirely, like. All you can really do is just make a game that's for 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 males. That's it. They won't play your game. They won't buy your game. You'll be happy because you'll have that game. Well,
0: I mean, but, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: Well, no, but like it's. I'm pretty much done. Like I mean, that's it. That's there's nothing. You can't stop it.
0: Well, in regards to that, I mean, like in some cases, you're just gonna lose, bro. <laughs> like if you like really, if you don't like women and you don't like women in games, you're gonna lose. Like that ain't happening, man. Like they're not really going anywhere. Um... And and they really shouldn't have to. I mean, you know what I'm saying like that's the thing like I mean, that if you don't like women in games, then yes, you are actually a misogynist. <laughs> <laughs> I, would,
1: I would hope that if you, if you don't, I, I, would, I would hate to think that there's somebody out there who's like, I don't like women in games, but no, I'm, I'm not a misogynist. like no, I hope like you understand. No, because there
0: are people like that because there are definitely people who don't like black people, but don't say they're racist. Well, no, but, yeah, but, but well, how, I, 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 how do they define <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. You can't like, say something like, I don't like black people, I don't like Spanish people, I don't like white people. You can't say that and then follow that up with, but I'm not racist. To be fair, if you don't like black
1: people and Spanish people and white people, that's just about everybody. So you're not being racist. You just don't like all people.
0: <laughs> no, but I'm just saying, like, you can't, like, that's the thing. Like, you can't say, I don't like women but I'm not racist. You can't say I don't like gays, but I'm not a bigot. Yeah. You know, like that, that, that's it's, it's the textbook definition. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there are people who are out there. I know I have dealt with these people. I have had somebody tell me to my face that they didn't want to talk to me because I was black, but it's not a racial thing. <laughs> I'm just. I was so confused. I'm like, I don't know how to react to this situation. Which, I'm just gonna walk away.
1: Which they won, and they didn't want to talk to
0: you, and you just walked away. Exactly. I gave them what they want. I gave them what they want. I was like, okay.
1: I'm like, <laughs> Just gonna have to remember that. Just if I ever don't want to deal with anybody, just be like, I don't want to talk to you because you are this, and it's not a racial thing. And then just
0: walk <laughs> away on their own, and I win. That's. Yeah. So like, I mean, like those people definitely exist. That. You know, I'm not like I, I I wrote that I wrote that article on Mash that actually wasn't about GamerGate like or, or what happened with like well it just, actually it was about GamerGate but it wasn't about you know Sarkeesian or Quinn it was mainly about the media's reaction to those things and how uh, how that kind of like kinda, that pissed me off the way they reacted to it uh, basically they turned the propaganda propaganda machine. Uh, and actually, some people took that as me supporting Gamergate, but I, I, I actually don't. <laughs> to, to be honest with you, uh, for in, in my definition of Gamergate, like if you are a supporter of Gamergate or you participate in Gamergate, then you are actually actively involved in the harassment, and I don't support that. No, that's a dumb idea. You're actually that's counterproductive to what we want to do. Um, Gamergate is a is a cause with no leaders, and so therefore everybody's doing what they want to do. I mean, even like you know, like the rebellion and and like in uh, uh, fucking Paris had you know leaders to that shit. They were they were <laughs> like, "We're gonna cut this guy's head off," and they're like, "Okay, no problem." But but like you know, like this is a, it's a, it's a it's a movement without leadership and it's unorganized. And it, everything that's going on in there, every time you harass a member of the media, every time you harass Anita Sarkeesian, Zoe Quinn, any time you harass any of those people, you're counterproductive. Like You, you need to be more... Uh, you, need, you need to actually hit them where it hurts, especially when it comes to the media, and that's not listening to them. That's when they post an article... Don't go to the page the article's posted on and post a fucking comment because you just gave them a page view, which they can then use to go to an advertiser like, say, hey, we get this many page views. Look at the average comment size on our articles. Sure, they hate us, but you know they have to come to the website to comment, right? Wham, they use that. They, they use that that's why we have clickbait articles that's why we have we have trolling articles that's why the internet isn't in the state it is right now because that's how it works so if you actually want to dismantle a corrupt media you want to silence people who you think are going to be unfair you don't do it by harassing somebody online because you know what they can just disconnect from being online you know they can go off the grid to a degree and then just get money and paid in the background, like, you know, when they're writing articles for other websites. Or they'll specifically get money, they'll get paid to write an article for a website because they know it's going to draw people, you know? So, I mean, it's very counterproductive, and if you want to actually do something about it, then if you think that IGN is a corrupt media because, you know... They offer review scores for exclusive content. They'll, they do. <laughs> like, wait, stop wait, going they, to IGN.
1: They offer review scores for specific content, but that's not corrupt. Oh, no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, if, you, if you're worried about a website who had somebody who slept with a member of the games media and then wrote a, a great article about their game, which you didn't like, don't go to that website anymore. It is really that simple. But no, people want to take action they want they think that it's fast they want they, they, they want to take like uh, an action that hurts somebody and it's not always the way you think that the, the, the best way to do it is not always the way you think Go ahead, we've to- we've
1: talked about this before because even every time like a a, a a sequel's coming out in a game franchise and they're making changes to it and everyone's like oh my god I can't believe they're doing this to the game franchise they're ruining the sequel everybody still goes out and buys the same damn game anyway like like it, it, it's almost like that's the real problem with gamers as it were is they lack self-control to be like you know what? I am not going to support this endeavor because I disagree with it it's like they just run out and they just throw themselves and they just jump on the pikes basically of you know whatever website that they hate or whatever video game that they're disappointed with and and I mean I get it like it's, you know like with with respect to like a game and a franchise like okay like if you don't like you know what EA is doing with the Sims for example like if you don't buy the Sims 4 it's not like there's another Sims that you can't it alternate sims like i get that but at the same time like if you keep paying for these shitty games like you're gonna keep getting shitty games and it's the same thing if you keep reading shitty media you're gonna keep getting shitty media like you get you get the products that you deserve and like unless you actually ask for more and don't give your attention and resources and money to stuff that is less than deserving like you're not going to elevate anything
0: yeah, exactly. Well, that's why, like, that's for example, like, I stopped buying Need for Speed games because the games were sucking. And it was either they're going to make the games better, and I'm going to start to get them again, or they're going to stop making games, and I guess they decided to stop making the games. Um, I don't but think there's Need for Speed coming out this year. <laughs> but um, but that's on them. That, that is on them, Mike, and I, I saved my money in the last two, I think. I think I didn't buy the last two Need for Speed games, even though one was available for PlayStation Plus. Uh, one was available. For, I forget which one it was. Was I think it was a. Uh, was it most wanted? The sucky one. I think it was the sucky one. The sucky most wanted it was on PlayStation Plus, uh, for Vita. So I got that. But other than that, I, gotta, I didn't buy it. But yeah, which I was mean, the
1: one with which was the one Maggie Q?
0: Oh. <laughs> I can't watch any of her stuff because I still blame her for being bad for that game being bad. What was it called? It was After Carbon. I can't remember what it was called, but, yeah, they I blame her. I like, they, they they must have paid her all of the money because that game was terrible. Terrible game. Um, But, yeah, that's the thing. Like, you got to hit them where it hurts. You got to hit them in the wallet. That's why they listen. That's why Intel pulled that ad because they're like, this could hurt our wallets, <laughs> you know. And if it, if it was, like, let's say Samsung, Samsung wouldn't have pulled the ad because they, they know like what well, that their audience is overreaching you know what I'm saying they know that they don't have a well I mean technically speaking a, a phone isn't a necessity or their phones aren't necessities but they're not necessarily luxury items either like you know the Intel like $350 i7 processors that's a luxury item that I enjoy daily. <laughs> so I mean like that I mean that, that that's a different story. Um, but yeah, like certain companies wouldn't pull their ad, but Intel did because it would have hurt them in the wallet and it's the same thing, you know, especially too, it goes along with the
1: audience of that site. Like people that read Gamma Sutra are hardcore gamers who are going to be buying that stuff. Like, it's not like, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like they're advertising on like MSN.
0: Like, exactly. So you want to, you want to dismantle the corrupt media? Stop going to those websites. There's, there's plenty of websites out there that will give you the same game news ...that you can get from a joystick, a Destructoid, uh, a Kotaku, a IGN. Trust me. Thousands of those sites out there. We're not going to be one of them anymore. (laughs) uh, Because I'm I'm pulling the new shit out of there. There's no point. Because everybody else does it. So my, my point is stay tuned to the buttons because we got new shit coming out. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> what I'm saying is like, I mean, like you don't have to go to those sites to, to, to stay on gaming news. I mean, to be honest with you, if you really wanted to, you just got to follow some of those pages on Facebook and like, you get your news right in the art, like right in the headline, <laughs> you know, right yeah. there. Um, which, yeah, like, this whole this whole shit where, you know, like people are, like, you know, like, I guess to get back around to the main point, the reason I don't support Gamergate is because it is counterproductive, not because I agree with Sarkeesian, you know? And that's, and that's another thing. Like, making a point like that from a Gamergate side, a lot of people are like, oh, you're just a white knight, or you're a social justice warrior, because they're not hearing what I'm saying. When I talk, they can't even hear me. Because they're just waiting to say something else, and both sides of that argument have that, where they're not actually listening to the other side, they're just waiting for their chance to speak so they can yell across. Watch, I'm probably gonna get something from somebody saying, like, "Oh, you support Sarkisian? You, su- you support? I'm like, no, I don't. I just wrote a really fucking long article about that, <laughs> you know? So I don't know. It's a that that the, the situation is uh." It's dire. I don't think like I don't. I don't ever think a sensible dialogue will come from it. I think the change is inevitable. There will be more women in games. You just need time. Uh, there will be less misogyny because there's going to be more women in games. Like the more that the women are involved, and you you don't you don't see you don't see how that correlates. Well, no. I would think the more women are involved, the more misogyny will be because there's more targets. No, it's because people are going to get used to it. Also true. The, the guys who are worried about it right now, like, oh my god, they're going to bring the girls into the, into the game development, which there are already plenty of women in game development. But they're, they're going to bring the girls into the game development, and then we're all going to be playing My Little Pony Adventure. Like, you know, those guys, which do exist... We'll see, like, oh, okay, when they have, like, create, when they see, you start seeing more creative directors that are male, or more interviews with developers that are male, more indie studios that are, oh, that are, sorry, female. <laughs> I was saying male, whoops, <laughs> that, are, that are female. Misogynist. Yeah. <laughs> or more, like, you know, developer interviews or um, indie studios led by females, and they, they, that they're pumping out good games. Then you have oh okay, and that's gonna be the end of it. Like, that's kind of like it's like the whole it's like with racism. Like racism is alive and well, but it is dying a slow death. <laughs> you know, um, it, it hopefully would die faster, but it's not. But like racism is dying. Like the every generation of people are becoming less and less racist because they're growing up and then and, and the 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 mixed cultures are becoming you know, more of a, uh, more commonplace.
1: Well, you know, but it's it's one of those things like, okay, like racism is dying and like things are better now than they were 30 years ago and like things 30 years ago are better than they were 30 years before. Like there's progress. So like, it's the same thing with like the games industry. Like there's going to be progress. Like, I guess, I guess my only question is like, if you're saying like, you know, cause like is more women come into the industry and it's not like there's like a whole like floodgate of them just waiting. Like as soon as you guys say it's okay, we're coming in. Like, but I guess is, is more women come into the industry then you're saying misogyny will go down. My concern is it'll give more targets. It'll go up. But if it's going to go down, then are, I mean, this has been a very misogynistic event. Um, and I think it's, it's spurred a lot of actions that have been, you know, hateful towards very key female members of the community. Right. Um, is this peak misogyny? Like, can it only go down from here?
0: No. It can go worse. Okay. It can get worse.
1: Okay.
0: It can definitely will, get worse. Will it, though? Or Let's hope not. I mean... No, it could get worse. Okay, <laughs> it, yeah. it, it could definitely get worse. I mean, it, it could get to a point where some people are taking extremes and actually finding these people and hurting them. You know, like, internet threats is one thing, but... You know, it, it it definitely can get worse. I mean, yeah, it can get pretty bad, <laughs> you know.
1: I mean, I, I want to say I feel like most people feel like whatever harm you can do to somebody through a computer, like, it's still relatively impersonal, and you're still distanced from it. Like, if you actually... Attack any of these people like that is very Definitively against the law like It's not quite clear like doxing Or like even just like sending like harassing tweets Like that's you know That that really isn't illegal I mean it, the doxing kind of is but it's, it's It's murky but Or at least it, people may think it's murky but like if you Physically assault somebody in public like that is a You're very clearly breaking the law and the cops can Intervene
0: right but the thing about it is That there are people who will justify It you know she deserved it like she deserved it because she did this. She spread these lies. She's a man hater. Like there, like just there, like there are yeah. people. There are not everybody actually. The vast majority of people don't do this, but there are a lot of people who justify rape by she shouldn't have been wearing that. She was a slut. She, uh... you know, she was a dick tease. So that's why she got raped. Like there are people who blame women for getting raped. Well,
1: there's a difference though between victim blaming or, or you know. And what I'm saying, like, if 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 rape is proven in a court of law, like that is a crime and you are going to jail. Like, so regardless of one's opinions about the dress and what it what issue it played in the occurrence, if a crime is found to have been committed, in which case I'm, I'm saying like publicly assaulting somebody, you know, would be a complete. You know, obvious crime. Assuming witnesses, like assuming no legal shenanigans. Like, if you publicly assault somebody, like that's obviously a crime. Like to get to that point, I feel like there's a bigger jump to make than just I'm angry about this article and so I'm going to send you an angry tweet threatening something. But you're ta- actually-
0: you're talking from a logical standpoint of crimes being bad. That's the lie. Lo- that that is a very logical standpoint. But what yes. I'm saying is that, like, even in the case of rape. Like when it has been proven that somebody raped somebody, there are still people on the sidelines saying he you know he's not to blame because she did this, even though he was completely wrong by raping her from the yeah. logical perspective and the legal perspective and the moral perspective yeah. Well, yeah yeah you still you will still have people who are saying that it, it's it's not his fault.
1: I'm not disagreeing with you any but even then they're saying well. They're saying it's not his fault, but it's, it's. I guess the way I'm looking at it is to put even aside just any issuance of fault, like, it's not my fault if I accidentally run somebody over with my car, but that's still a manslaughter charge.
0: Right, yeah. Well, <laughs> like, that's, I mean, it's, once again, it's not a black and white issue. No. And But we're talking about, like, you know, I see what you're saying, like, to go yeah. from, to go from, you know, online threatening somebody you know, on harassment to actual uh, physical assault. In somebody's mind, they can justify that. They can justify that because she needs to learn her lesson.
1: That's that's a hell of a justification. Because I think to normal people like no, no, me and I'm, you, and <laughs> I think that's. I guess my point is that and I'm not going to say that there aren't people out there who are aren't crazy enough to make those justifications, but I feel like by and large, a lot of this movement is people who are acting, you know, from their own level of anonymity and distance and. Right. You know, not that there isn't that one or two crazy people who would do this, but that that even the worst offenders in the uh, in in the, uh, in the in the uh, disagreement here, not or the battle here, um, you know, even the worst offenders would not be likely to make that jump. But that's not to say that there aren't people out there who would.
0: Right. Yeah. But the thing, you're right. It would. It is a. Uh... A, a a relative few. It's definitely a relative few that would make that jump, but the problem is, the world is a big place with a lot of people. It is, it so is, it even is. with a relative few, that's still a lot of people who would do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, that's, that, that's a problem. You know, and then, then that's why it's an issue because even a relative few, even because, okay, for example, like Gamergate itself, compared to gamers, you know, or people who play games or I'm not even gonna say like the entire gaming verse. Because to me a gamer is and will always be a it's short speak for hardcore gamer. That's what gamer is to me. If you're not a hard if you're not a, a hardcore gamer, then you're just somebody who plays games, which means you're a normal person. Because everybody plays games. I could put my grandmother in front of the right game and she will play it. Doesn't make her a gamer. Okay? Uh so like even in terms of hardcore gamers, that gamer gate, the people who are participating in that is a small amount. That's a small few. And even smaller than that will be the people who take it to an ass- to actually to actual physical assault, but even though it- that's a small amount of people, it's still in terms of numbers, that's a good amount of people. I wouldn't want that amount of people to think it's okay to hit me. <laughs> You know, so far, I'm glad nobody has. Yeah, exactly, because that would be the worst day of their life. Now, <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's even though it's, it's a relative few, it's still a pretty big number, and it can get kind of scary. It only takes one person to kill you. That is, right. that <laughs> you is... know, it only. Well, no,
1: and that's why I don't think anybody look. Well, I, I don't think anybody with any sense of compassion or even rational thought looks at like you know when sarkeesian had to flee her home and they don't think like well you're just being a wuss like like i think there's an understanding there like there was a credible threat like right you know it's you know i I don't think anybody blames her for that i'm not i I mean i'm sure there are some people that but they probably you know they they're they're not thinking about it rationally like they're you know which is and it's a shame it's just a shame all around
0: on that and that's the whole point that I was bringing up in the first place. People like you know, people aren't being balanced and rational about it. The the loudest sides are the ones who are just shouting at each other and that's why nothing will happen with this talk. You just got to give it some time and over time things are going to get better. You know. So, yeah. But uh I know we have one more topic about the social game money makers. I uh, just to dip into that real quick, because you know we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up here. Uh, that article it was interesting only because uh, the guys from Ninja Metrics have found that the people who are making money for the games are these social games aren't necessarily the ones spending money? If they say the people who are the most social in these games are key to the big spenders spending money, which is very interesting. I'm gonna, I think maybe next week we might get into it a bit more and talk about it, it depending on what happens. But uh, yeah, we're, I'm gonna post the article in the the show notes, so you guys could check it out and uh, let us know what you think. Like yeah, because if you if you guys comment and let us know what you think about you know that topic we could definitely definitely discuss it so uh so yeah uh that is gonna have let's, let's look at uh what's coming out, huh? Stuff uh, we, stuff. Stuff. Yeah, we're we're in that season where things are actually uh n- new games that we wanna play are actually gonna come out. Uh so uh let's see
1: hmm. Dive Kick Edition edition came out
0: yesterday. Dive Kick today's... Edition Edition?
1: Uh, dive Kick Edition Edition. It came out for the PS4. I have to check. I think that, that may have already updated on the PS3. I have to check that.
0: Alright, so let's see. Drive Club is out already. Alien Isolation just came out. Uh, what else is coming? Hmm.
1: Castlevania Circle of the Moon for the Wii U?
0: Mm, surprise Summer Rome for PC is coming out. Sleeping Dogs Definitive Edition came out for PC? Uh, as well as Xbox One and PS4. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, it came out for PC. It looks like it's available now. Or, I don't know, I'm kind of curious, did they just change the PC version's name to the Definitive Edition? Because they should have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, borderlands the pre-sequel actually comes out next week I did not realize that I did not realize that came out next week
1: you, you probably didn't realize that because Duck Dynasty also comes out the same day
0: oh gotcha Yeah, so I actually need to pre-order that so I can get a bonus <laughs> Um, and I was going to buy Shadow of Mordor this week and I actually just haven't had a chance to buy it but you know what I'm getting borderlands maybe that will pull me off of Destiny I Maybe. don't think
1: so. I, I almost think you should just ride the destiny wave until all the loot caves and loot stairs are empty, and you can stop.
0: Ah, <sighs> I don't know, dude. Like, that's rough. I mean, destiny... Did you did you play any of the Iron Banner event? No, I have not. And I would I've actually,
1: heard, huh? dispo- I've heard disappointing things about that.
0: Like what? Like what did you hear? That
1: I guess the whole thing is that you're supposed to be able to bring like your power ups over and actually play competitively with a lot of the power ups that are turned off for the crucible mode. Yeah. Be, so like you're, so in theory your gear that's super super awesome will carry over to PvP for that, and apparently it's not making as big a difference as people expected. Like there's a lot of instances of like level four people still killing like level twenty three people and stuff.
0: Well, yeah, because you still have to know how to shoot. Oh, <laughs> That's the thing. Like uh, the crucible. First of all, your level doesn't make a difference in the crucible. Uh, your gear, to a degree, does. And your uh, weapon does, or well, you're saying your armor and your weapon does. Um, if you have a legendary weapon and then you also upgrade that weapon, you're gonna do better in the Crucible than you would, but somebody who does not. Okay. Uh, and the Iron Banner it just amplifies that because now your level itself does matter. But the thing is, if I'm a level four, I'm a level six, and I'm pegging you in the head with each shot, and you can't get a shot off on me. You can't. That's it. Like no, that's that's gonna be the end of it.
1: So all the people complaining about the iron banner just suck.
0: No, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> I mean, I I, like I said I haven't played it yet, so maybe there is something that I played it in in uh in the beta, and in the beta that like there was a uh, there was uh it was noticeable, okay, uh but yeah maybe there's some type of bug or something like that that I, that I just haven't seen yet, so we'll see. Uh, but yeah, so uh, well, Borderlands Pre-Sequel's coming out. Let's see. Peggle 2, October 14th. That's for uh, PS4. Yeah. It's for PS4. Ooh, yeah. Legend, of,
1: Legend of Grimrock 2 on October
0: 15th. Yeah, Bayonetta 2, 24th of October. Sid Meier's Civilization Beyond Earth on the 24th as well. So Okay. Alright. So that's what's coming out. Um, couple things from us the that, that, uh, So, I don't know if, if we talked about this before. Um, we talked about it a little bit, I think. Uh, VGXCheck was a project that we started. Uh, VGXCheck.com it is a Matchless Buttons project. And basically what it does, for those who don't know, is you can go there, you can compare specs on games for, across all the consoles. So, the resolution on Xbox One versus PS4 versus PC, Wii U, and Xbox 360 and PS3, you can compare all that stuff, plus, you know, what DLCs are coming out, who they're coming out for first, are they exclusive, are they timed, all that good stuff. Uh, it's a pretty simple site, and, uh, we put it on ice for a little bit, but now we are looking to get, it. you know, updates are going to start rolling out on a regular basis, so will be looking out for that, we'll post more about that on the Mashes Buttons page. Um... We're still going to continue to do MeshCast weekly. We're going to try our best. We're, there's just some scheduling conflicts that have been going on. Uh, we uh, Wow Thoughts. I guess at this point, Wild wow Thoughts is bi weekly.
1: If we can get it up. Yeah, I'm trying to go for that.
0: Yeah, we're we'll so. trying to go for bi weekly Wow Thoughts. Uh, we do have a new MOBA podcast coming out, it's going to be a monthly podcast about MOBAs and the MOBA community. What's going on there I know you uh, If you listen to Mash Cash You know who Bo Shebensky is He is going to be uh, Running that podcast It's called Feed the Carry <laughs> That's what it's called It's called Feed the Carry And uh, So the, the first one of those Is not next week But the week after And uh, We might have another New monthly podcast Coming out But I don't want to say Too much about it Because the meeting for it Is actually tomorrow So we're, <laughs> we will see uh, and also be on the lookout for our, like, some, uh, we're gonna, our, we're gonna change our review format a bit, mostly audio as opposed to writing, and, uh, I'm gonna have some of those pushed out next week, so, well, we will see, we will see how that goes. Uh, but as always, thank you for listening, uh, you can catch us on, uh, SoundCloud, which is soundcloud.com slash mash those buttons, we are on iTunes, we are on Stitcher Smart Radio, we are on youtube which is youtube.com slash mash those buttons we are on twitter which is twitter.com slash mtb site and of course facebook which is facebook.com slash mash those buttons so like i said thank you for listening we will catch you guys next week have a great weekend everybody probably probably next week (laughs) later see you